This episode of the Tales of the Justice Society of America was made possible by a generous donation from James McCarthy. James writes, Hi, Scott and Michael. Just wanted to say hey and say thank you for the excellent podcasting. Tales of the JSA is one of my favorite must-listen-to podcasts, and you guys are bringing back ton a ton of memories. The Earth 2 characters, especially Superman of Earth 2, have always had a special place in my heart. <laughs> Hearing you talk about those issues again brings me back to those days in the early 80s when I started to collect comics. Wicked. Just wanted to give you guys a small donation to say thanks for the many uh, listening hours of comic goodness you've provided. Patiently awaiting the coming of your crisis on Infinite Earth's coverage, where you're not going to have to wait long. And this is from Jim McCarthy, Boston, Massachusetts. And he writes, P.S. I love your other shows, Comics Monthly Monday and Back to the Bins. But in the end, Tales of the JSA is the one I had to sponsor. Keep up the great work. And Michael, keep those Family Guys references coming. Dude, don't encourage him. <laughs> Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. December 7th, Earth 2, 1941, a world very much like our own, yet slightly different, a date which will live in infamy, a world at war, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. Welcome to episode 68, you know what's coming next episode, <laughs> of Tales of the Justice Society of America. My name is Snark McGill, and joining me as always is my good friend, Michael Bailey, or whoever he is this week. Uh, 
I am Kaiser Sose. <laughs> At the end of the episode, I'll limp right. away. I'll limp away, and then as I get farther away from the police station, I'll start walking normal. So, <laughs> if you've seen the Usual Suspects, you get that, and if you don't, we have just ruined the movie for you. I've seen it and can't remember it. So there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> as is my want. So, how's it going, man? How was your Christmas? Christmas was fantastic. Uh, wasn't a whole lot of family drama, which was nice. Uh, got a Superman hoodie sweatshirt, which is really cool, because not only is it a blue sweatshirt with the Superman symbol on it, but you have some Jose Luis Garcia Lopez Superman faces on either side of the hood. Ooh. So, uh, that's pretty neat. And, uh, my wife, my amazing wife, and we were only talking about this a couple weeks ago, got me tracked down a near-complete edition of the Superman 3 board game. I called dibs on the, uh, Richard Pryor token. You know what? You were the second person that day to tell me that. <laughs> I told somebody else, and they're like, I get to be Richard Pryor. (laughs) The Philly Flash. The Philly Flash. (laughs) No, it was great. How was yours? It was awesome, because I got the day off, and that's always fun. No, it it was nice. I got to spend time. And that's the best present of all. (laughs) It was. It was. Because, you know, I, I... Last year, you know, the family was out of town and everything, and it was it, it was hard. So, you know, this year it was it was nice to just you know have the day off and and chill with the family and do the whole Christmas thing, watch the kids open their gifts and play with their new games, and yeah, it was it was nice. It was a lot of fun. I got a I got a few presents too. I got a uh, I got an awesome uh new polo shirt i've been for the longest time i have been wanting just one of these simple polos i see around that is uh it's got instead of having like the little alligator on it it had uh, has a little mickey mouse on it and my my wife got me one that looks really you know if i do say so myself i look pretty sharp in it i like that shirt she just um, amazed me so much she actually went to the comic shop which is never a pleasant experience for my wife you know she's not a geek she's not into comics and all that and you know she she gets the stereotypical it's a girl reaction when she goes into the comic shop but she braved the comic shop and actually cleaned out my my uh, pull box for me for christmas which i thought was awesome and she got me a book that I had wanted, a, a, a non, non-comics related book, just a book that I had been wanting. And Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty neat. Yeah. And oh, I can't remember. There was, there was one other thing I got to. Now I can't remember what it was. Isn't that terrible? Anyway, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was just nice to be able to chill and just enjoy some family time. Yeah, I managed to get Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after Christmas off. So it was... Uh... It was really cool. Dude, you locked out. Yeah, I even have New Year's Eve off this year. Which, actually, it's not so much lucking out as making up for the fact that I work every other freaking holiday. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) Easter, Mike works. Fourth of July, Mike works. Yep. So, to hell with them. (laughs) I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. So, we have... Probably one of the best issues of this series we have gotten to so far this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting off with a beautiful Jerry Ordway cover of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. 
On the left, you have the Crimson Avenger, Speedy, and Green Arrow. On the right, you have an awesome-looking Vigilante, Stripe C, and the Star-Spangled... Uh, is it the Star-Spangled Kid? Did I, really yeah, he- just, did I just really forget his name? No, I thought you were trying to think of like what his identity was at this time. At this it was time, Sylvester he's, Pemberton. Yeah, no, I mean uh, what he was calling his, you know, yeah. costume identity. Because di- he went. I know he ev- where he eventually goes, but for a time, wasn't didn't he go to did he go to Man or am I just imagining that? No, but, it was Star Spangled Kid. I'm right. Okay. I can't believe I blinked on that in the middle of the thing. And in the middle, holding his sword high, flying winged victory, we have the Shining Knight. Yeah. If anything ever needed to be a poster or a t-shirt, this is one of those images. Sign me up. I'll buy one. Yeah, me too, man. Unfortunately, the copy I bought out of the 50-cent bin has a 23 written above the Star Spangle, or the Shining Knight's head. So, But it was cheap. So, a 23? What does the 23 denote? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever had this book before wrote 23 on it. So, if I can get to where my notes where they need to be, um, I, I kind of wish we covered uh, this issue next episode, but that'll become more apparent. <laughs> uh, this is a man called Doom, and Doom has an E on it. This is freely adapted from the story in Leading Comics number 3 from 1942, which Scott sent to me and which I didn't get a chance to read. But Uh, it looks kind of cool. Yeah, don't feel bad. I didn't get a chance to read it either. Roy Thomas is the writer-editor. Jerry Ordway is the guest penciler. I miss Jerry already. Uh, Rick Magyar is the inker. Cody Starchild is the letterer. (laughs) Gene D'Angelo is the colorist. The quote from this month is we shall defend our island home winston churchill june 17th 1940 we open on the shining night bringing down some german planes in the skies over england he lands and gets a note from winston churchill requesting his presence at the very first official meeting of the all-star squadron remember them remember the all-star squadron (laughs) the title of the series the team we haven't seen in like three months Yeah, those guys. Churchill asks if the knight will return to America, and oddly enough, Sir Justin is not thinking of the All-Stars, but another band of heroes he has become allies with for a mere trio of adventures before becoming Churchill's personal protector. Churchill comments that Sir Justin has mentioned them less than the All-Stars or a certain red-haired lady and asks the knight to regale him with a story. And that begins a tale... Of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Roll Call, the Star Spangled Kid, Stripe C, the Crimson Avenger, the Shining Knight, the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow? Does he does he really need the in the front of there? I guess so. Speedy and the Vigilante. The flashback the flashback. The flashback begins in a lighthouse where a man called Doctor Doom, no foolin', summons the greatest conquerors in history. Nero, Attila the Hun, Napoleon, Genghis Khan, and Alexander the Great soon stand before Doom, and all are wondering WTF is going on. (laughs) Doom explains that the year is 1942, Anno Domini, and shows off the wand that communicates with others, and if any of the men desire to return to their own time, they will be sent back to the very instant they left via that wand. 
Doom then goes on to say that he offers them nothing less than world rule, which I'm hoping is kind of like rock and rule, which was a really cool movie. <laughs> you, hey, any, any time Lou Reed gets paid in smack to appear in a film is okay by me. Using a movie projector, Doom shows them the wonders of 1942. And I, and I, and I kind of picture in my head that you have this kind of announcer telling them the wonderful things about 1942. <laughs> and then he lays out the plan. The five conquerors will steal five of the rarest metals on Earth because suddenly we're in a freaking like G.I. Joe miniseries from 1984 or something. I, that, that's, that's how this thing is being set up, I swear. And they're going to use those metals to build a machine that will project all of them into a far-flung future where they will find a weakened age to do with as they please, which sounds kind of naughty. Elsewhere, Green Arrow and Speedy are not really like Batman and Robin at all. But, <laughs> but they are testing their new walkie-talkies when an armored car is held up by the five-time tossed bad guys. Green Arrow and Speedy attack only to have Attila knock Speedy out and then take his walkie-talkie. Then the Conquerors escape via a stolen plane. Green Arrow discovers that the walkie-talkie was left on, and every once in a while they get a little chatter amongst Attila and the group. Soon, Green Arrow and Speedy summon the rest of the seven soldiers to tell them what happened. The walkie-talkie works just enough to tell the soldiers where the time-lost bad guys will strike. And with a great little chant, and this is just like... I mean, I love the fact that they have their own chant. It's just really amazing. They go, let's hear it, chums! What do we want?! Victory! What do we settle for? Victory! <laughs> what do we settle for? A plate of clams! I don't know. <laughs> what the heck? Anyways. In true Golden Age style, the heroes split up. Shiny Knight takes on Genghis Khan, only to have the Mongol warrior head back to his own time rather than get caught. And right around this time, I think, is when his, uh, his ancestor, or his descendant, takes on the Shadow in that uh, Alec Baldwin movie. Oh, that's right. Which was great. Love that movie. These Star Sp There's another uh, commentary we need to do, by the mm -hmm. way. The Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy have a similar encounter with Napoleon, who pulls the same disappearing trick at the end of their battle. And the same thing happens when Green Arrow and Speedy take on Alexander the Great, when the Hulk teams up with Mr. T, when the Vigilante fights with Attila the Hun, and when the Crimson Avenger and Wing fight with Nero. Wait, that Hulk and Mr. T thing was just an ad. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Doom swears to destroy the soldiers and then complete his machine so he can project himself into the future. The soldiers arrive and are greeted with a few sticks of dynamite, which the vigilante takes care of with some trick shooting. Doom quickly disappears to the past, with the heroes hot on his tail thanks to Speedy finding another time wand. The group finds themselves in ancient times, right before the Siege of Troy. Doom tries to convince Odysseus and Agamemnon that the soldiers will betray them, and suddenly it is on like Donkey Kong, with the soldiers, especially the Shining Knight, putting a hurting on the Greek soldiers. This convinces Odysseus that he should side with the soldiers, and not the fat guy he never trusted to begin with. Doom escapes to the present, which apparently strands the soldiers in the past. Speedy suggests that they use their own wand to track Doom, but Green Arrow isn't so sure. They don't have much of a choice, though, and soon the heroes are traveling through time, which is something they might ought to get used to, by the way, and eventually make it back to Doom's lighthouse. There isn't much of a fight, because 
Doom's a balding fat guy. But Doom makes a run for it anyways and manages to, f- manages to fling himself into the far future just as the time machine is destroyed. The soldiers have some post-game talk, and the Shining Knight regales them with the pledge of the round table. And it goes a little something like this. Whilst tyrants breathe and men conspire against their fellows and greed stalks unleashed, this good right arm shall never falter, nor this good sword be sheathed. And everyone goes, we're with ya! Back in the present, well, 1942 at any rate, the Shining Knight reveals that he will stay in England to continue protecting the Prime Minister. The issue ends with a fantastic speech by the Knight, who swears that once this war is over, a new Camelot shall arise, a better world, reborn like a phoenix. And for once, Winston Churchill is speechless, and could not have said it better himself. And that's the end. Excellent synopsis, sir. Excellent synopsis. I appreciate that. I had fun with this one. <laughs> it was kind of easy right there in the middle. And then they do this, and then they do that. So <laughs> I, I have a feeling that if we ever decided to cover more of the Golden Age material, a lot of the synopsis would break down like that. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we do have notes on this, thanks to the All-Star Companion Volume 2. The Shining Knight logo that appears on the first page of the story is from one of the hero's later stories during the period they were drawn by Frank Verzetta. Roy Thomas gives the seven soldiers their own war cry of sorts. What do we want? Victory! What do we settle for? Victory! In abridging the story, each of the solo exploits of the five heroes or teams is related on a single page, which is probably for the best. That was my own little editorializing there at the end. (laughs) The Star-Spangled Kid remarks that one of these days they should make the absent wing an official soldier of victory. This is a dig at the fact that the Crimson Avengers Oriental Aid took part in most of the group's 14 tales in leading comics and yet is never counted as a member. Until he dies. (laughs) I I was thinking about this... um... While reading this story, you know, at the beginning where where we first are shown the seven soldiers and there's a headshot for everybody after the crisis on infinite earths and it's, you know, the green arrow and speedy are retconned away. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember who takes their place and I believe it was wing and, and um, the black spider. The black spider. Yeah, he was uh, he eventually ended up being a bad guy, but he was an archer. Huh, okay. Well, you got me on that one, because that's not who I was thinking it was. Give me just a second. Let me open up my JSA source book from the DCURP. Oh, wow. Um, that, yes, I just happen to have on my desk. Uh, let's see, there's a section on... Oh, his name is The Spider, excuse me. Uh, the Spider rose many of the many masquerades for this member of the Ludlow clan, first appearing in 1940. Tom Holloway lived as a wealthy socialite by day, and aided by his driver Chuck, ruthlessly stamped out St. Louis's criminal element by night as the Spider. Holloway's crime-busting won him membership in the Seven Soldiers of Victory and the All-Star Squadron. In reality, it conveniently covered his ultimately successful efforts to become the city's unchallenged crime boss. So, hmm. Yeah, kind of interesting. And uh, by the way, in this RPG thing, these seven soldiers are all drawn by Tom Grummet. Oh, wow. And they look freaking awesome. 
But I mean, is that is that guy in some post-crisis story somewhere? Because I I believe he is. Huh. I don't know where. You know what I need to dig up? I need to dig up my my um, what do you call it? History of the of the DC universe because that's a post crisis book that I think mm-hmm. does show the seven soldiers in there somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. Because I was trying to remember, because it seemed to me that it was another sidekick. But then looking at the heroes here, no, that accounts for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they threw the spider in just because he's kind of like an archer character, and that kind of fills in for right. Bring it's just arrows. odd that I don't remember him like at all. That's that's very unusual. See, but here's the thing: is that with some really creative writing, Green Arrow, there could have been a Golden Age version of Green Arrow. You know, yeah. there's no reason there couldn't have been. You know, he couldn't have been named Oliver Queen, but you could have given him another backstory and created a new character, basically. Right. I mean, it's not like. It's not like Oliver Queen is so freaking important to the DC universe. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, know, I think that would work better anyway because I, I never liked the idea that, that the Robin Hood-looking Green Arrow is the same guy who started out in this more basic mm-hmm. outfit anyway. You know, But he eventually grew the goatee and all that. They made it work. Um, there was a really cool Legends of the DC Universe story. That had this green, the this costumed Green Arrow teaming up with Green Lantern, and somebody else. I forget who it was though, but it, it was written by Denny O'Neill. Ended up being a really good story. Uh, but I liked most of that Legends of the DC Universe stuff. Um, I don't know if you read that series at all. Uh, just spottily, you know, sto- stories that entered, you know, that uh, interested In- me. I did. Um. Going on with the notes, Kurt Mitchell, co-writer of this chapter, points out that Vandal Savage claimed in Green Lantern number 10 to have been Genghis Khan. The uh, book also kind of talks about the fact that there is a character in here named Dr. Doom, and later on there was a more famous Dr. Doom, and yeah, so Dr. Doom, meet Dr. Doom. Um, I was going to add, and my original idea for the synopsis was that at the end that he jumps not into a time, uh, not into the future, but into an alternate reality where his face is scarred and he gets himself in good shape and puts on an iron mask and starts fighting the Fantastic Four. But, um, but ultimately I decided against that. <laughs> Could have been funny though. Could yeah, well, it would have been, but I think it's a bit of a stretch that this guy is the yeah. same doom from, <laughs> from the Marvel universe. Ah, so what do you got on this one? Oh my goodness, where to start? Where to? Well, I'll start with the cover. I completely agree. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. I really like this. Um, I, I I really like this team. I mm-hmm. like the Seven Soldiers a whole lot. Don't ask me why, uh, but I've always had a soft spot for these guys. And I was actually looking at something. Um, I I looked up like a brief history on these guys. Because I, you know, I had to go back, uh, flipping through old issues, uh, uh, you know, prior issues we've covered of All Star Squadron. When we get to the point in this where Sir Justin starts to relate this tale to uh, Winston Churchill, it got me to thinking: Wait a minute, how does this timeline of the Seven Soldiers work? Mm-hmm. And so I went back, and and I ended up going all the way back to All-Star Squadron number one. 
And when we first see Sir Justin in All-Star Squadron number one, he's thinking to himself about his pals, the seven. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. So that, you know, his association with them predates his association with the All-Star Squadron. That team was already established when all of this came about. So I just I thought that that was interesting. But it also it got me to thinking just about the seven soldiers in general in you know, how how did I know about these guys going into All-Star Squadron? I was trying to remember. And as I was looking at a, a timeline of them, I, I'm assuming this timeline is complete. You know, up until this point, you know, All-Star, uh, All-Star Squadron number uh, 29 in 1984, they, you know, the, the Seven Soldiers really hadn't been around very much. They were in... Uh, leading comics back in the 40s, but they were only in the first 14 issues. And then they weren't seen again until 1972 when they were in a, a three-part story in Justice League of America. I'm I'm guessing I must have seen them in one of those stories, although I just, I don't really remember that. What about All-Star comics? I mean, with Star Spangled Kid being there. I, I'm, that might have been part of it too, although the the reference I was looking at doesn't really mention that. But I'm I'm sure that he himself mentioned the seven soldiers. But as far as an appearance of the entire team, it's not credited on the list I was looking at. The only other thing I could think of was that they were a backup feature in issues 438 through 443 of Adventure Comics, and some of those issues, the uh, the Aquaman lead feature issues. I actually have those issues. I don't remember those backups, but I probably read them at one point when I was a kid because years ago, you know, if I got a comic, I read it cover to cover, whereas today I'm much more picky. You know, I read I read the story <laughs> I bought it for. And, well, you know, this falafel man story looks terrible. Right. So it, just, uh, I think I'll skip that one. Right. Well, you know, if it's like a nemesis backup or something, <laughs> I don't bother, you know, the, 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 the Lois Lane or Jimmy Olsen story, you know, the soul story. You know, I got 10,000 other comics to read. I think skipping yes. this nemesis. I mean, the only, the only time that's ever going to screw me is if I'm ever in a comic book trivia contest and they ask a nemesis question and I'm like, damn, I had, I had an opportunity to lose. <laughs> got a complete collection of damn nemesis too. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. So it, it was, you know, it was really challenging me to try to think back and and answer for myself, you know, what is my fascination with these guys? And I really don't know. I, I think it kind of comes down to, you know, the bounty hunters of the Empire Strikes Back syndrome. You know, you mm-hmm. don't see them very much, which makes them kind of cool and mysterious, you know. But, well, that they're just a good-looking team. I yeah. mean, you you have like th- three or four different types of heroes. You got a dude in a knight's outfit riding a flying horse. There's uh, two archers. The Crimson Avenger looks kind of cool, but he's more of your traditional superhero. Mm-hmm. You've got the Star-Spangled Kid in Stripesy, which apparently his original stories, from what John Wilson has told me, are abysmal. Uh, it's still a neat concept that he's this rich kid that kind of got his driver to be a superhero team with him. And instead of the kid being the sidekick, the, uh, the, the adult is. And the vigilante, the vigilante is just cool. He's a cowboy hero. Right, yeah. And I'm of the opinion that 
you can have you can have this type of variety in superheroes and it still work. It doesn't all have to be the spandex set. Right. Though I, I like them, don't get me wrong. That's not me insulting them. Because usually when people say, you know, it's not all spandex, you know, they're they're about thirty seconds away from saying something extremely pretentious. But you know, Green Arrow in all of his incarnations has never looked like the Flash or Green Lantern. He's always had kind of a Robin Hood look to him, which isn't right. necessarily what you would say like modern superhero. And to me, and, and, and this may sound silly, Justice League Unlimited really fueled my love for this team when they did that episode that was basically the Seven Soldiers of Victory versus Wade Eiling. And you even had the you even had the Crimson Avenger and Speedy show up. Right. It was just fantastic. And Nathan Fillion as the vigilante and whoever played the Shining Knight, I wanted a series of just those two fighting crime together. Yep. Because they were really like kind of like a, an odd couple buddy cop movie waiting to happen. So <laughs> uh, let's see what else I got on this. Uh, Dr. Doom. <laughs> I love his style and haircut. Well, that, is, that is pretty sweet hair, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, this guy, how stupid is he? Everybody knows you can't have Genghis Khan without Abraham Lincoln. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, you just don't do that. Although, you know, at least he did, you know, bring Genghis's associate Napoleon along, you know, so, you know, they, they had already worked together uh, via Bill and Ted. So that's, that's why I really wanted this to be episode 69. I know <laughs> it would have just been so damn perfect. <laughs> uh, let's see. Page nine. Let me flip there real quick to remember what the heck my note was about. Page nine. Okay, page nine, panel two. Okay, we got them all listening to the the little uh, radio, the squawk box there, and it's talking and it's saying all this stuff. And Speedy says, that's a sixth voice. Must be the creep who reeled him into the 20th century. Or, you know, maybe not. Because that's <laughs> some leap in logic there, Speedy. <laughs> I'm sorry for most of this story. He's like the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Pa same page, panel three. They're deciding who's... Uh, this is the part where the team starts to split up, and everybody basically says, I'll take that guy. Oh, no, I'll take that guy. And in the very first uh, part of this, Star Spangled Kid says, Stripesy and I have got a grudge against little corporals. What? What the hell is that all about? I thought it was the little general know. is what they called yeah. Napoleon. So I didn't really get that part at all. That just That's seemed like really a reference weird. that I just, you know, I needed a little bit of explanation. Um, page nine. Next to last panel. Oh, it's a, it's a book. The Little Corporal, 1785 to 1799. Hmm. Napoleon defeated four armies larger than his own. After that, his troops gave him the name Petit Caporal or Little Corporal. But I thought they called him the Little General. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just wrong. I, I thought 
Okay. I thought he was called the little general. Maybe I guess it was the little corporal. All right. Thank you, Internet. Little corporal still sounds like a like a euphemism for something to me. I love the vigilante. I truly do. And I really like this panel where he's uh, he's doing his cowboy talk. And he says, coyotes are coyotes, no matter where they come from. I vote we run run down these five varmints in a hurry. Then hold another powwow about this sidewinder calls himself Doom. Love that panel. When the hell did he call himself Doom? He didn't. <laughs> nice catch. I didn't I didn't get that. That was cool. Um I just have to say at this point, dude, I would have totally bought a Seven Soldiers title. I still would. If you know, if if they would get back to a continuity that would embrace this stuff and put out a, a Seven Soldiers with these guys or you know the the post crisis lineup and and get a decent writing team and a decent art. I mean, I would still be down for these guys. I just like these guys. I like this dynamic. I've always been a sucker for weird teams. And as you said, mm-hmm. it doesn't get much weirder than a knight riding a flying horse and his best friend's a cowboy. It just doesn't <laughs> get weirder than that. And I would totally buy that book. Um, page 13. There's Abraham Lincoln. I knew he would show up to be with his buddy Genghis eventually. (laughs) Party on, dudes! I'm so happy now. We got Napoleon Genghis and his friend uh, Abraham Lincoln all in the same issue. Come on, it doesn't get better than that. And you got time travel. What more do you need? Um, Okay, page 16. (laughs) This was a wacky one. Okay, at the bottom of page 15, they walk into the, the death trap, which is spiky walls that are closing in on each other, just like the uh, the trash compactor in Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And the Except green the arrow- walls weren't spiky there, but yeah. Right. <laughs> the green arrow says, I see it, Sir Justin. They're closing in on us. So Sir Justin just pulls out his unbreakable sword and starts hacking all of the, uh, the spikes off the wall. Um, doesn't really address the fact that the walls are closing in, you know? Sir Justin, I, I applaud your, your ingenuity here. Uh, you are solving one problem while leaving out a bigger one. Right. <laughs> Good job, dude. We're still going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had more notes. Because this is a great issue that mm-hmm. deserves more praise and everything. But as you and I have said before, there's only so many ways that you can say, I love this, I love this, I love this. But I did. I love this. This was a lot of fun. This is just good old-fashioned comics that I dug. The story was a little goofy, but I can forgive that because it was fun. It had a lot of action. And I like these characters. I enjoyed this a whole heck of a lot. And... uh yeah, I would have been fine with all of a sudden the seven soldiers just hijack All Star Squadron or something because I thought this was cool and could have gone on longer. Um, last note for this one: I looked up just out of curiosity. Whenever something like this happens, where at the end of this story, Doom flings himself into the time stream, I'm always curious where did that go. Apparently nowhere, because I could not find any reference <laughs> to ever having further appearances, which means that there's an untold tale out there somewhere for uh, Dr. Doom. So 
But that's pretty much all I got on this one. I thought it was keen. My first big note is the fact that, once again, it is proven that I would prefer Roy Thomas write an adaptation of a Golden Age story rather than reprint a Golden Age story. Um, Jerry Ordway did a really neat thing with his art in this, is that he kind of drew like it was a Golden Age story. You could still very much see his styling, but... The character work was kind of golden agey, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Uh, page one, we open up with Sir Justin chopping into the propeller of a uh, Nazi plane. That's a pretty epic way to uh, to begin this. Um, looking at the book you sent me, uh, which I do appreciate, by the way, the... Page three, where we are... Uh, oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Page two. <laughs> I love the fact that the soldier goes, Gore, blimey! I thought there was a mechanical flying horse, but it's real! I'm really sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I will never do that again. Um, I, I just like the fact that they thought it was... You know, if I had Photoshop skills, I would just put horse dung. Well, you know, it's funny. You and I were thinking the same thing because, you know, by the by the way the panel actually looks, we're led to believe he's thinking this thought because he's watching the horse eat. But he is standing at the back of the horse. So I think yeah. that it would be more interesting if he was thinking that because there was just a big old horse flop right there on the ground. You know? <laughs> Page three uh, isn't a direct lift of the cover of Leading Comics number three, but it's got a similar vibe because on the cover of that book you have a lighthouse and there's light coming out of the top of it and it spotlights the seven soldiers. Well, here you have them in a little V around the lighthouse, which is kind of cool. Plus, there's a dude up in the lighthouse and suddenly I'm thinking of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and over at the Frankenstein place, but... (laughs) <laughs> That's just because I really like the the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Page four, really interesting way to bring in the uh, the the conquerors. We just see their feet. I don't know what they're <laughs> kind of going for there, but whatever. Uh, Here's one fi- for the foot fetishes out there. <laughs> page five, I like this first panel where we see Doctor Doom because he is obviously not your typical mad scientist. <laughs> And I feel really bad. Dude, just shave your head. Seriously. If it's balding like that, there ain't no hope. So, um, page six. I like the fact that we are introduced to Green Arrow and Speedy as they are experimenting with walkie-talkies. Uh, that just feels like a, a kind of a golden age type thing. Like we're out in the middle of the we're out in the middle in the day, uh, you know, in the daylight, and we're just gonna go play with our new toys. <laughs> and oop, look, a bank robbery. Uh, page eight, really like the art at the bottom of the page of the soldiers all together for the first time in the issue. It was very cool. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the chant, the, what do we want victory? What do we settle for? Victory is, is, is kind of cool, but <laughs> I just want to make fun of it, but I don't have the heart to. Every time I hear that, I'm reminded of that time there was the zombie walk at Dragon Con. And somebody goes, "What do we want?" And all the zombies go, "Brains." When do we? When do we want them? Brains. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I like in the Napoleon 
fight with the Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy, they try to take him to Arkham Asylum. Yes. And that's just playing on the fact that for some reason there was this <laughs> concept that if somebody was crazy, they would think they were Napoleon. I don't quite get it, but whatever. And that uh, happens oh. at the end of uh, the Shadow movie, too. There's mm-hmm. <laughs> there's that one guy screaming, I'm Napoleon. Yeah. The um, page 14, we got the Crimson Avenger and, and, and Wing, uh, a.k.a. Tycoon Lee Travis, aided by his faithful valet and unofficial eighth soldier of victory, Wing. Because, you know, we'll allow the white driver in, and we'll allow the white kid in, but that Asian guy's just, he's unofficial. <laughs> Bigotry rears its ugly head. Um, I like the, I like and dislike the fact that in, the, in this flashback, it's like, when you've beaten him, Mr. Avenger, will you help me get back home? Sure will, son. What? <laughs> Where did this kid come from? <laughs> he has no bearing on what's going on. So, that was kind of weird. Uh, page... 15, I like the fact that we get a reference to All-Star Comics number 10 and All-Star Squadron number 2 with Thomas bringing Doom into uh, the whole thing of working with Professor Everson's group before it was disbanded because they were working on that time travel formula. Right. So that was cool to see. I I like on page 17... That an 18 that the seven soldiers of victory get on Odysseus's good side basically because they beat the hell out of his army and they're not fat and balding. <laughs> Yet to find out the truth, all of you shall ride with our soldiers in the belly of the yon wooden horse. Where, where does he say it? Um, Sooner would I believe one who wears armor of gold and wields a sword so mightily than this sniveling wretch who merely appeared first in our in our midst, Agamemnon. The truth is hard to uncover, even in the most peaceful of times. So, I I just think that's funny. <laughs> the the wrap up to this, you know, they're like, you know, well, why don't we use our time wand to get back? Well, you know, he may be expecting that. Well, we don't really have that much of a choice. Okay, let's go. <laughs> And then there are wandering through time, and I say again, get used to that, guys. <laughs> you're really gonna get, you're really gonna like that in the future. Trust me. Poor seven soldiers of victory. The, yeah, I just uh, noticed something that uh, at the when they get back to quote unquote modern day, suddenly the vigilante's hat turns yellow, hmm. and it looks like it stays yellow for the rest of the adventure. Time travel. Time travel gives you a yellow hat. Yes. Okay, I'll remember this in the future. <laughs> yeah, you better, because if you bring a white hat, we're all going to tell you it's going to turn yellow. Also, let me let me see. It changes color like a bunch of times in the actual leading comics issue. Oh, it's yellow in the leading comics issue as well. Oh, uh, okay. It's white on the cover, but yellow later in the story. So maybe that's very much on purpose. Could be. So... Oh, they got a text piece at the end of this book. Yay. Um, But like you, I just like it. I like the last page, too, where we have the floating heads of the JSA and the All-Stars as uh, Sir Justin holds aloft his magic sword and says, by the power of Greyskull. (laughs) 
There is a letter in here uh, where a guy tell uh, from uh, Stevens. Johnny Quick is totally looking up his skirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is a letter here from Stephen Scott Bo Smith. Bo Smith would go on to write Guy Gardner Warrior, and he wrote the Black Terror miniseries from Eclipse. He is awesome. I like Bo Smith a lot. One of the last real men in comics. I think you'd like Bo Smith. I really wouldn't. I think you'd like just to hear the interviews with him personally, but that's just me knowing your personality. You know, we've actually got some really awesome ads in this book. Superman peanut butter. That's uh, we'll go right to it, dude. Last <laughs> last page before the back cover. The first action-packed Superman adventure, free with two labels from Superman peanut butter. Which tasted a lot like Peter Pan. Yes, it did. But it was awesome because it had Superman on it. Oh, dude, the lid. And and then you had two different. You had creamy or crunchy. (sighs) It was good. I liked that. Yeah. Oh, I had a jar or two when I was a kid. Oh, yes. The the ad is pretty cool, too. I like that shot of Superman flying forward. The copy of Action Comics number one. That he just got from traveling back in time right. to, bring it to the present. <laughs> and to now he's it. filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> I wonder if I have this actual reprint. Because I've got, I don't know, umpteen reprints of action number one. But I wonder if this is one of them or not. I'm not two. sure. I've got one that came out in 88 that has kind of a glossy paper mm-hmm. stock. And then there's another that came with... I don't know if it came from the Superman peanut butter, but it came from... No, it came from soap. There was a soap mail-away in the 80s as well. Uh, I forget who it was, but... Uh, you know, more comics could should come with soap now that I think about that. <laughs> God, yes. Considering that last comic show I went to. <laughs> <sighs> I think soap and a demonstration on how it works... <laughs> Which is really just going to be Dwayne the Rock Johnson holding the soap out, putting some water, lathering it on his arm, and go, do it! (laughs) That would just make me laugh. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, You know, what are the other ads? We got another monogram Masters of the Universe model thing with the attack track. I like the attack track. Uh, We got the Return of the Jedi NPC model ad again. Mm -hmm. With the TIE Interceptor. And the A-Wing, now that I know what that is. Star Frontiers, who cares? We've got, we we went in depth on this NBC ad, but still, I love the way the Hulk looks on it. And it looks like the Hulk is about to smack the hell out of Baby Smurf. <laughs> Take that, Baby Smurf. <laughs> like, he is just like... Rah, Hulk just, hates Smurfs! <laughs> Hulk like Gargamel and Azrael. <laughs> Uh, we've got a new ad for the uh, Arak Warlord and Hercules figures. I love the top of this ad because it says he's up to battalion strength with new soldiers and still got nobody to fight. Sergeant Rock. <laughs> well, that's kind of how it was in the 80s when you really think about it. We really didn't have anyone to fight fight. Who is Who the hell is this Sergeant Slaughter looking dude right in the middle right there? <laughs> I don't know. Why is Fidel Castro... There, <laughs> kind of in the middle. You see what I'm talking yeah. about? That's <laughs> great. And we got a ninja, of course, because it's the '80s, and we needed a damn ninja with everything, didn't we? 
Snake Eyes was enough, people. Well, look, all of these guys are holding their weapon. It's like some of these guys are holding up going, hey, how does this work? <laughs> okay, does everybody have their gun? I've got my gun. Yeah. <laughs> and the dude in the, in, in like the Rakondo hat <laughs> accidentally shoots the guy in the helmet. <laughs> It's kind of like that uh, that scene in Starship Troopers, <laughs> where the guy gets shot. Um, War Room. What the heck is it? Is that a video game? Yeah. Oh, it's for uh, oh. ColecoVision. Coleco, yeah, all right. I didn't. You know. ever play that? Uh, I never even heard of it. Okay, play the game the generals play for real. Yeah, you know that didn't really go well for Matthew Broderick. So, <laughs> I I think you guys should stop. Uh, bump and jump video game, and then on the back cover, Power Lord. <laughs> that just looks stupid. It looks like he's trying to feel his own butt on that back cover. <laughs> you, you know how I knew these toys sucked? I didn't want them. And I wanted everything in the 80s. I had a wrestling action figure. Andre the Giant, by the way. And I looked at the Power Lords and went, wow, those look terrible. Who does he look like, though? Ted Danson. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I'll, I'll go with Ted Danson. I'm also, like, he also kind of looks like George Lazenby. Oh, you're talking, like, when he turns to his human form? Yeah. Well, when he's when he's in the blue form, I think he looks like a blue Ted Danson. Then when he turns <laughs> into the human form, he looks like that creepy guy who's always a villain in the movies. I think he was in, like, Sharky's Machine, so I have no idea what his name is. I <laughs> just referenced Sharky's Machine. <laughs> you got any other Burt Reynolds winners? No. Then I'll bring up. Does Burt Reynolds Gator? have any other winners? <laughs> no. Gator. Oh, my God. Gator. The man who loved women. The man who loved tap dancing. <laughs> Stroker Ace! Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of that old Robert Wool uh, stand-up routine where he went through the good Burt Reynolds movies and then, and then listed off all of the bad ones. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So are we ready to move to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics? I think we got just enough time for Mike's Amazing yeah. DC Comics. Uh, really neat action comics cover there. I like that. Is that a uh, is that a Gil Kane? That is a Gil Kane. Gil Kane did a lot of covers. I don't think I have so. that issue either. I got I think that's still on my uh, Gots to Hunt Down list. Atari Force number one. Dude, Atari Force kicked butt. I liked Atari Force. I, I read it about 10 years ago, and even though it totally ended on a Star Wars note, I really dug the, the heck out of it. This is one of those series I have had and sold and had and sold umpteen <laughs> times. And the next oh, time I have it, I'm actually going to hold on to it long enough to read it. I, I think I read I issue one like and it. was like, nah, and passed on it. But that was years ago, like when it was brand new, and I'll, I'll have to try it again because you know I loves me some uh, Garcia Lopez, and mm-hmm. that's some fine Garcia Lopez art in that one. Yes, it is, and it's a decent series. It turned, you know, for being something hooked up with Atari and being a DC merchandise comic, I was kind of surprised it ended up being good because neither one of those spells winner to me. Unfortunately, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> I can't tell you exactly why, but that's always been one of my favorite Batman covers. I really oh, where he's, like he's stuck with Poison Ivy? That does yeah. look quite cool. 
It's great. It's We're great heading book. towards uh, Jason Todd officially becoming Robin. Yeah. Yeah, see, this so, was around the time I was, like, seriously, seriously into Batman. Because I, I, uh, I think that I, that that was one of the, the issues I had to, bat, you know, track down when I started to really get into buying, you know, like a solid run of Batman. Because I think I started collecting Batman seriously not long after this point. So then I had to hunt down, you know, issues like this one as recent back issues. But I was able to get them cheap because I think people tend to forget that before uh, – you know, all the, the fervor leading up to uh, the the Tim Burton Batman movie. Man, Batman was not held in high regard back then. No, it was really the, uh, it was really Dark Knight Returns that put him back on the map mm-hmm. for kind of the wrong reasons. But Right. So, I mean, I was able to scarf up Batman back issues dirt cheap. You know, despite being a Dan Spiegel cover, I really like that Blackhawk cover to 266 that's that's really that's a nice image got a gil kane cover on that best of dc number 44 i like that i'm i was trying to remember if i actually have this issue and i'm not sure but i i like that cover a lot it's actually pretty neat superman and man i'm xanadu i just Olivia got Newton this Johnson's. not long ago and i still haven't read it yet because i forget who does the interior art but uh i was like eh, i don't know about that I like Madame Xanadu all right, and I you know I love Superman, but Gray Morrow is it Gray Morrow? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of hot and cold on Gray Morrow. Boy, that Flash comic looks not at all enjoyable. <laughs> Green Lantern number one seventy two, Judgment Day, the start to the Len Wein Dave Gibbons era of Green Lantern, and boy, <laughs> is that a good issue to come in on. The guys over at Green Lantern's Light, Michael Bradley, J. David Weeder, and Jeffrey Taylor are covering this era of Green Lantern. And uh, I thought they did a really good job in their second issue of covering this and the next couple of issues. They're actually going <laughs> to... They covered Green Lantern 173, and we're going to be covering Green Lantern 173. Oh, wow. So, so that's kind of interesting. We'll be covering it from a whole different angle, so that should be interesting. Yes. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the issue that was alluded to in that uh, Justice League story that we covered not long ago. Because remember, I said it was like three, just like two or three months in the future at that time when that story was was referencing this story. And now we've finally caught up to it. Yeah, I think that's uh, the one. That's Green Lantern, what... Green Arrow number four has a nice cover. Yeah, like some good Neil Adams art. I like that Fury of Firestorm um, issue there. Is that the one that's inside is is penciled by uh, by Gene? Col- yeah, it is. That's the yeah. Gene Colan issue. Yeah, I like oh, that cover a lot. They recently released a hardcover, going back a couple of books, of Gene Colan's Batman work from the 80s. Oh, really? Yes. Ooh, I might have to track. I've got all of it, but I'd still all that. I might have to track that down just because uh, I love that stuff. It's great. Who Day is of the this? Rattler. Um, you know what? That is a great car. I was just looking to see who did that. Now, that is a Ross Andrew, which I've repeatedly said I do not mm-hmm. like Ross Andrew's Jonah Hex stuff, but that's actually a really good Jonah Hex cover. I like that. You know, despite being drawn by Chuck Patton, I never liked this Justice League cover. <laughs> I don't like the look of the lion-looking dude. It just doesn't yeah. really appeal to me at all. Um, New Teen Titans number 38. 
Who is Donna Troy? Great comic. One of probably the, the best. best issue of that series. Yeah, and you this, know, I, I, I think I would side with you on that. And this was the issue because my friend Chuck Rowland, who was the best man at my wedding, um, before I bought my run of Teen Titans, we I was sitting over at his apartment one day. He goes, "You ever read New Teen Titans?" I go. Like in the late, you know, early 90s, he goes, read this. And he hands me Who is Donna Troy. And he made me sit there and read it right then and there. And that was where I fell in love with Perez's Robin. Because mm-hmm. there's a scene of him. He's like on a, a beach and the wind is whipping the cape up. And like I've said a thousand times, uh, but this is where it first happened. It was the first time I realized that Robin's costume was three-dimensional. Right. And that's really important to liking the Pixie Boots costume. Because once you got there, you have your in. And then you can like it. <laughs> hey, look, a Power Lords comic. Yay. Omega Men number 10. This is one of the or the earliest appearances of uh, Lobo. While he mm-hmm. still had his, uh, his like ballet outfit or whatever that <laughs> outfit was he wore before he, he got all bikered up. The... Um... You know, for being a Carmine Infantino cover, that Supergirl cover is pretty cool. I like that one. She's about, She's about to, to heave uh, what's your face across the room there. Uh, cover that begs to be photoshopped. Superman number 391. Superman sitting at a computer. Who kidnapped Lana Lay? Now, I could be wrong, but I think that cover is a recycle of a picture that uh, Garcia Lopez had done way before this for, I want to say it was like for an oversized book somewhere or something. Might be. I'm going to have to find that at some point, but yeah, I love that cover, but I'm pretty sure that image had been published like years before it was used as a cover on, on this particular issue. Got a really nice looking Dan Jurgens warlord cover there. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like that. Now that Swamp Thing, uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 20, that's the first uh, Alan Moore issue. Which is, yeah. we worked our butts off to get to that on uh, on Comics Monthly Monday. Finally got to the Alan Moore and petered out. It was like, I think that's the last one we did. It was like, God, that was a lot of work to get there. And then we just kind of, well, that was it. Pe- the people shooting at Swamp Thing are those that read the previous issues. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> we had tar and feather yet, but that would be an improvement. So. <laughs> that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Who did the cover on this world's finest? Oh, Ed Hannigan again. Man, that guy was busy this month. <laughs> you got super- Ed Hannigan was busy. He did like all almost all of the Batman covers from this time period. Which is why when you're leafing, th- I mean, and it's the best of both worlds because you have this beautiful Ed Hannigan cover, or and then when you get inside, you got Don Newton or Gene Colan. Right. I mean, there's no there's no down here. <laughs> and Wonder Woman suffers a debilitating back injury in the cover of Wonder Woman number three eleven. Sweet God, no, please. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's there are some really nice ones this month. And next week, well, folks, next week, if you're uh, waiting with bated breath for the return of the All-Star Squadron, um, we have one more stop to make. (laughs) (laughs) 
which is kind of getting annoying. Just throwing that out there. I mean, I know that they're 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 you know treading water until their new regular artist comes in, and when he comes in, it's worth it because one, you have an amazing cover for uh, All Star Squadron number thirty one. Just, just an amazing cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that the next month's cover is. Uh, anything to sneeze at either just well i'll get to it when we do that <laughs> so you ready to do the closing stuff since you brought us in uh no <laughs> but i will get ready to do it let's see here let me pull it up real quick one of these days i'm actually going to come in fully prepped for this show and shock everybody it's part of your charm scott oh, i'm telling you every time i think i got all my ducks in a row here we go okay folks that's it for this week. Be sure to visit our website at www.2truefreaks.libson.com for more exciting podcasts featuring both Michael and myself, as well as tons of other sad and pathetic human beings who've nothing better to do with their time. That list of the other sad and pathetic people grows <laughs> constantly at this point. We've added so many new uh, segments and elements and podcasts and podcasters to that list it's just crazy join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this episode and interact with us and your fellow listeners we have a really great fun and friendly community over there and we want you to be a part of it like right now as always, you can reach us by email at talesofthejsa at gmail.com. Just a reminder, flag your email that it is not spam so it doesn't get deleted because we're still getting inundated with spam, unfortunately. And of course, Mike and I, we're both all about Facebook. So if you enjoy this show while you're listening, please take a moment to go to Facebook or the social networking site of your choice and plug us while you're listening, won't you please? Because word of mouth is still the very best way to let others know about our show, and we really appreciate your helping us to grow our listenership. Thanks again so much for listening and for downloading, and be sure to join us again next time for the tales of the Justice Society of America. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we go to meet the foe. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we did the Alamo. We will always remember how they died for liberty. Let's remember.